The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Our teaching text this morning comes from Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. How about those tigers? That's it? My goodness, what a game. What a game. Maybe those Mississippi State Bulldogs, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's your team. There we go. Lots to celebrate in Memphis, a lot of good victories, Uh, but we've got a better truth, a superior truth, and a superior victory, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So um, pray with me before we dive into this passage. Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you so much that you have promised to, to teach us but not just teach us, transform us. So Lord, I pray that uh, you would just open our eyes and open our ears to hear your truth this morning. That we might be a body committed to you and to one another, to each other's growth, and willing to dive deep into your word, that we might be able to speak truth and love in relationship in this body. The very tool that you have designated that the church might be loving, that the church might be built up in love. So God, I pray that you would help us to see the truth of your word in a different way and the purpose of your word in a different way. Open our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So about 21 years ago, I had a personal revival of sports. Um, I was a seminary graduate. I was, um, I guess, two years into a church plant. We were planting the church. And yet, there was some disconnect between the theology that I knew, the Bible that I knew, and my own life. And it was evident in my relationships. And in essence, what I was doing is I was using Bible knowledge, cognition, head knowledge, as my foundation to feel good before God and others. And so there was little love in my heart, little love in my life, and my preaching was more bent toward condemnation than good news gospel preaching. And God changes us in community. That's why we need community so much. And um, you have to have people in your lives that are willing to tell you the truth. And my wife was that person. And God used her to tell me the truth about how arrogant and self-righteous I was. 
And by God's grace and mercy, there was brokenness in my heart and my eyes were opened and it started a long process of realizing that God wants more from me than just head knowledge, but He wants that knowledge of Him and the knowledge of His redemptive work uh, from creation to the fall through redemption and the new heavens and the new earth to be living realities in my heart and for Him to be a living reality in my life that I might walk in relationship with the living God of heaven and earth through faith, trusting Him to drive away the fear, to drive away all of my anxieties. And after that, and the reason that I'm telling you that is because I really believe that I became some good to the church and to others and certainly my wife and family after that time. And that's the purpose of God's Word. It's to make us some good to to each other. It's for the building up of the body that we are to be speaking truth and love. And, um, I, you know, I was, I, I've been looking at a lot of statistics using the Barna Research um, tool. And, and there's no doubt that we are reading the Bible less today than we were even six years ago. Um, six years ago, um, people were reading the Bible. Uh, it was like 66% of people were reading the Bible to some degree. Now it's more like um, 55, and uh, the younger you get, the lower that number becomes. And and yet, what I'm finding interesting is that even people that are reading the Bible are doing so for reasons like it 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 brings me closer to God. Now that's good. Or I go to the Bible when I am facing a tough time just to get encouragement, and that's okay. Or I, I, I go to get comfort. But what we began to look at last week is that God has given us the church and His Word to build up the church. Listen. Ephesians chapter 4, 15 through 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head. So speaking truth to each other is how we grow up into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up, not in this self-righteous condemning community, but it builds itself up in love. Paul in Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you. He's not saying, go just go read your Bible, have a disciplined Bible reading plan. He's saying, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Note the subtle difference between Barna's stated reasons for why we go to the Word. To help me, it's all about me, to to help me in my relationship with God. And yet Paul says, no, go to God's Word so that you can be transformed and begin to speak truth and love to those around you. Because that's how the body of Christ is built up. We can get together in our community groups, and, and I believe it's, it's very interesting. Community groups and small groups have increased in number in the church while Bible literacy has decreased. 
So do you understand? We can get together and not be speaking truth in love. In fact, we can be getting together just a social, a social club. And I'm not saying it's wrong to get together as believers just for dinner and, well, what I am saying is, if that's the only reason we're getting together, then we're not doing what the Bible has called us to do, and that is to encourage each other with the Word of God, because that's how the body is built up in love. And so what I want us to begin to do at Downtown Church is, is realize that you need me to be reading the Bible so that I can speak truth and love to you, and I need you to be reading the Bible so you can be speaking truth and love to me, so that you can be encouraging me, and I can be encouraging you, because that's how the body builds itself up in love. Does that make sense? So, let's look at it. First of all, we are to be intoxicated with God's Word, that we might be built up in truth and love so as to build others up in truth and love. Let's unpack this a little bit. Uh, We talked last week about how knowledge is the foundation for unity. Common knowledge and common agreement is the foundation for unity. All right, let me let me go. Okay, Memphians barbecue. What comes to mind? Pork shoulder. Pork ribs. Now, I was standing in our fish at our fish fry line uh, last week, and there were three guests from from Texas. I hope you're here this morning. And 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 I was and and they said Texas, and I said, oh, brisket. There you go. <laughs> Got some Texans down here. Beef brisket. That's why we can't do fellowship together. <laughs> Kidding. Actually, true confession. Rachel and I swung through Waco, Texas on the way back from Colorado a few weeks ago, and I used TripAdvisor to find this little, um, this little uh, brisket stand on the side of the road that had the best reviews, and it about, it was like a second baptism. I mean, I'm not saying it was better than pork barbecue in Memphis, but, but what I am saying is that stuff was un, off the chain unbelievable, all right? But common knowledge, we lived in Colorado and people would invite us over for barbecue and they're cooking hamburgers and hot dogs. And I felt so superior. I was, I was horrified. This isn't barbecue. Common agreement, common knowledge and agreement of, of knowledge is what unifies us. That, that's what that's why culture is so powerful because we, we grow up together in our little worlds and uh, cultural, um, um, you know, um, what to eat, what to drink, what not to eat, what how food is supposed to be prepared, how you talk to one another, how you drink. It's all cultural, but it's common, it's agreement over common knowledge. And so in the church of Jesus Christ, His Word must be that which binds us and we must be in tune with the very intent and purpose of His Word. I mean, this is what Paul is saying. You've got to be given to the Word if there's going to be unity in the church. And so he says, don't get drunk on wine. Why? It's not because wine is evil unto itself. But what is happening in the church is they are binging on wine that is, that is um, impairing their judgment and they are forsaking the binging on the Word of God. 
We weren't created to binge on anything other than Him. He doesn't even indict them for binging. He's just saying, no, you're binging on the wrong thing. Get intoxicated. Be filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit is the very Spirit of Christ and His Word. That's how we be, that's how we are filled with the Spirit. We press deep into His Word that changes us. And notice that He says, don't just speak it, but sing it. Did you hear Adriana's solo this morning? Were you listening as she started that hymn? What was it doing something to your soul? Was she building you up? Was the worship team and band as they were, as they were leading us in the song that God is for us? He is not against us. I don't know about you, but most days there's a subtle reality, a subtle little assumption in my heart that God is not really for me. That, that I, my life and my, that's just how I'm bent. I am not bent to jump out of bed in the morning and be convinced that God is for me, not against me. I need the ministry of that being sung to me. I need it to be driven in my heart. I will be singing that tomorrow morning, I promise you. It's interesting, on Mondays, which are typically my day off, I find myself singing these worship songs. Why? Because they were first sung to me. And they are encouraging me. They're they're reaching a deep um, place in my soul. The lyrics and the music. And we need it. Why? Because this is what God designed This is what the Word is. It is bringing encouragement and the encouragement of truth. Paul does this for the Thessalonians. Obviously, there are many believers that are dying in the church in Thessalonica. And so he writes and he says, um, For God has not destined us for wrath. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, God has not destined you, dear people, for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake, that means alive, or asleep, means dead, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. We need to encourage each other with the truth of God's Word. When was the last time you did that for a brother or sister in your body? When was the last time you spoke truth, not because you had this big confrontation, but when was the last time you just said, Brother, do you know today that God loves you? Do you know today that He is delighting in you? For some of you that seems out of place and weird. But the Bible tells us that should be the norm. We should be speaking truth in love. We should be reminding each other of the promises of God. But we have to know the promises of God in order to speak the promises of God. The demand to speak truth in love implies that there's agreement over what is true in the Bible. Many today think, well, you can't really know what the Bible means. 
And yet if you look at his word, if you look at just, you know, Paul and Galatians, what does he do? He says, I, you know, I hear that some have, have, are preaching a different gospel, but there really is no gospel. There's only one gospel. And let me remind you of what Paul does. The scriptures are clear that you can know what the central truth of God's word is and what it teaches. So what is the central truth of God's Word? That's why I love um, the, the material that we're using in our Equip Hour um, from the Bible Project. Um, if you want to jump into that class, do so next week. I highly encourage you to do it. But um, even right now, you can get out your iPhones and download the Read Scripture app, which the Bible Project put out. And they're little five to seven minute videos and a reading plan that um, will lead you through um, the Bible reading like 15 to 20 minutes a day. That's a great way to start if you don't have a reading plan or if you want to jump into um, the equip hour on on Sunday mornings. Um, But I love this material because it clearly states from the beginning and in every um, um, video that the purpose of the Bible is to point us to Jesus. The purpose of the Bible is to lead us to a Savior. Why? Because the Bible tells us that God created all things good, but then we rebelled against God and began to look to His creation to replace Him as that which is good in our lives, as that which has authority in our lives. Some of us right now, we worship, we are worshiping sports, we're worshiping football, we're worshiping something, we're worshiping hobbies, we're worshiping money or looks or whatever it is. At the very root of every sin that we commit is a higher commitment to self than to God. And the Bible clearly says we need to be saved, we need to be delivered from that, and Jesus is the deliverer. And that's the purpose of the Old Testament, leading us to the need for one who would come, this king who would sit on the throne forever, and his reign would never end. And he righteously would rule, and he would bring victory, and he would offer bread and wine and milk without cost. That's the whole purpose of the Bible, is to show us Jesus. The message of the Bible, for God so loved the world. The message of the Bible, while we were still in our sin, the Lord Jesus came and died for us. God shows His love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the message of the Bible. This is what we must hear. God, in essence, wants us to have what He has. We struggle with evangelism because we don't really get what the Christian life is about. God created us because the community of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, was so entrenched in love and community and purpose and truth that it couldn't contain itself. Because love has to create. Love never just sits in. Love is not self-focused, it's other-focused. So God exploded creation. Because of love. And He wanted a people that would share in His love. And yet somehow we make the Bible, we reduce the Bible to moral laws. Or even justice. And we miss the reality that God is calling us into Himself. 
some of us went to the Heart of Man, the Heart of Man movie Thursday night together. And it's basically a movie that retells the story of the prodigal son. And I was taken by the beauty of the father's eyes to, to see actors fleshing it out while the son had run as low as he could run. And he had fell as low as he could fall. The father came to him with love. And the message is beautiful. It doesn't matter how far you have run. It doesn't matter how far from home you are. The Father is pursuing you with His love. And that is what the Bible tells us over and over and over again. And to have that truth is to be speaking that truth in community. What fellow believer have you encouraged lately with God's Word? Would you make it a point right now that I am going to encourage somebody, somebody in my life, somebody in this body, this week, today, I'm encouraging somebody with His Word. I'm going to send a text. I'm going to send an email. I'm going to give them a call. I'm going to stand face to face with them. I'm going to drop by their, their, their workplace. I'm going to, I'm just going to go by and I'm going to say, you know, I want you to know how much God delights in you. You are His image bearer. He created you in His own image and He loves you. And no matter what you're facing right now, no matter what you're thinking about yourself right now, His grace is sufficient for you. His power is sufficient for you. Have a good day. What if we were known as a church that just did that? Wow. And then finally, the truth of the Bible is the very power we need in order to speak truth and love. The Bible is not just facts. The Bible is not just story. The Bible is power. For the gospel is the power of God into salvation. The word of God is living and active. I had some a meeting that I had to have recently and it was a meeting where I knew there was some conflict. And before that meeting, I met in a, I'm in a discipleship relationship with another guy, and we were meeting and talking, and and it's amazing in God's how God reveals Himself. In that meeting, my friend started talking about how he is gr- growing in awareness that the people that bug him the most, the people that offend him the most, the people that um, you know bring his ire and his rage out typically are the people that are guilty of the sins that he has struggled with at some part in, in point in his life. And he said, it's because I under I get them and I know more, I, I can relate to them, and I don't want to be reminded about what I used to be or what I struggle with too. And as he was talking, God gave me Matthew 7, 3, don't look at the speck in your brother's eye until you've dealt with the log in your own. And I'm telling you folks, I walked into that meeting not wanting to get my point across, but I walked in humble, and I walked in apologizing. What happened? I didn't just read God's Word, I let His Word read me. 
I, I came under His Word, and His Word said, Richard, you are a bigger sinner. What, what is the conflict that you're having here? Look at yourself. If it wasn't for my grace and my love, you would be condemned. But oh, you're not. You're loved. Now, do you think you can go and love this person too? Wow. See, Paul tells the Ephesians believers that we cannot remain as children. I was going as a child. I love this. Listen to what Paul says. He says in, in, in Ephesians 4, So that we may no longer be children. He includes himself. The Apostle Paul calls himself a child. If the Apostle Paul is a child, then I'm about two days old in the Christian life. He called, he said, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking truth and love, we grow up in every way into Him who is the head, even Christ. You see, friends, we need the Word of God because we are children. We are sheep. We need to be led. We need to be changed. Three things about the Word of God real quick. Why do we need it? God's Word is not just information, but it possesses power for transformation. This is what I was getting at. Let us therefore strive to enter the rest of God so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The writer of Hebrews is looking at Israel and how many people were not allowed to go into the promised land because of their disobedience. He's saying, let's not be like that. But then he he switches gears. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and, and, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. What is he saying? He's saying we will not fall into disobedience if we are allowing God's Word to read us, to indict us, and to lead us to God's love and grace and forgiveness. Are you experiencing daily the reality of your sin? Are you being convicted of your sin in new ways that you might appreciate and bring in His love and forgiveness? If you are not dealing with sin in your life and allowing the Scriptures to, un- to reveal it to you, then you're not drinking in grace and you can't speak truth in love. It has to be a living, active reality. Secondly, it changes us, but it also sustains us. Are you living a life that is dependent upon God's Word? Jesus did. You remember when he, he, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert and the devil came to him and, he, and the devil knew he must have been hungry. He said, hey, tell these stones, you've you got all the power in the world, tell these stones, make them into bread, tell them to be bread. And what did he do? He quoted scripture. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Isn't that beautiful? You see, he is rejecting temptation with the word of God. He was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, God's Word to um, Israel. And He humbled you and let your hunger um, 
let you hunger and feed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The Christian life is one of learning what it means to depend on God and to be sustained by His Word. Are you listening more? Are you comparing your life to other people? And is that the truth that you're living? Oh, I'm not as glamorous. I'm not as beautiful. I'm not as... My life isn't going... As, if you're on Facebook and Instagram all the time, that is exactly what you're... There's no way not to. Everybody's happier than I am. Everybody's having a better day. Everybody looks gorgeous. And I am just... ugh. Is the Word of God sustaining you? The truth of His Word? Is it giving you life? And then lastly, His Word sets us free. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, the truth that set me free in my life some 21 years ago it, it was this, this freedom that, Richard, you don't have to perform to get God's love. You don't have to be somebody. And I'm telling you, there's nobody that feels like they need to perform more than a minister. There's no one that feels like they've got to have it better. They've got, their lives need to look better and, you know, we've got to clean. No. No one feels that pressure more than leaders of the church. And when God freed me and said, Richard, it's not about you, it's about Jesus, He did it for you. It set me free. My righteousness is not what I do. My righteousness is what Jesus did, and it was perfect, and it's finished, and all the credit of His obedience to the law has been given to me. That's what God's Word says. You see, I was letting other theologians and other churchmen and other people tell me how to live the Christian life. I wasn't utterly being submissive to the Word of God and letting it tell me where my hope came from. And my hope comes from Jesus. He is my righteousness. Therefore, I can preach myself to you, a sinner in desperate need of God's grace and mercy, but one who has it because of His grace and mercy and who is dearly loved by God. And that makes me want you to have that too. That makes me want you to live in the confidence that God loves you and God cares for you. Are you becoming a healthy body part? Are we a healthy church? Dear friends, if you individually are not immersing your heart and life in God's Word, if you're not letting it transform you, if you're not looking to it to sustain you, and if it's not setting you free from works and self-righteousness and sin, then dear friends, we're never going to be a healthy church. We have to be saturated with His Word. We have to let it dwell richly in us. We have to let it free us to His love. So dear friend, this morning, would you give yourself to Jesus? Would you give yourself to His Word? 
Would you be about it? Would you direct the hearts of your children? That's why we're also doing the catechism for children. It's not just so that they can memorize stuff. It's so that they can understand the hope and the freedom of Jesus too. So that they can be free and they don't have to wait until they're 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, 50-something. But they can, at an early age, understand God loves me in spite of my sin because He dealt with my sin. Are you becoming intoxicated with the Word of God and with Jesus Himself? It is my prayer that that's the kind of body that we will be because that is the power and the only power to make us a unified church. Lord Jesus, I pray that You would come by Your Spirit, that You would convict us of how arrogant we are, thinking we can do life without Your Word. Oh God, I pray that You would expose the skepticism and that You would give us strength to believe. Father, I pray that You would usher us into the reality that Jesus is the living Word. And that to read the Scriptures is to know Him and to dwell with Him. Come by Your might, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear friends, next week I'm going to take a number of questions that people have about the Bible, hindrances that people have, reasons that people have to not believe the Bible. We're going to look and see, can we really trust what the Bible says? Is it historically accurate? Is it truly God's Word? We're going to look at the common objections that are in our culture today, and we're going to deal with them one by one, because we need to be freed to believe that His Word is the bread of life. Let's go now to just prayer as we contemplate what God is calling us to, and as we give our offerings to Him this morning in light of His great grace. Amen.